turn to James chapter 3. If you have not been involved in our um, Wednesday studies in the book of James, I would urge you to be here Wednesday night. We have four different ladies' groups that are studying it and four different men's groups that are studying this. And uh, on Sunday mornings, we're kind of reviewing some of that, looking at different avenues of of the truths that are represented. And last week, our studies were in James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, dealing with the tongue. And uh, James gives a number of exhortations that says, if you have genuine faith, this is how it will be manifested in your life. And one of them was that genuine faith will be manifested in our life in the manner in which we speak, in how we control our tongue. And he used a number of analogies in in this passage. And one of those analogies we find in verse 5. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles? And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. So he uses an analogy dealing with the fire that the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things and causes great damage. Seventy percent of all fires that are destructive are started by human beings. So in 1944, the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council decided to work together to try to prevent forest fires that ravage and destroy um, the West in particular. My parents grew up in the states of primarily Washington and Oregon, and so my grandparents lived out there, and, and every third year we'd pile in the car and drive out all the way out to the West Coast and visit our grandparents. And doing that um, instilled in my heart a love for the mountains, a love for... I love mountain streams. They're, but I, I enjoyed that. And, and in going out there, once you came into western Montana in particular or western Wyoming, <clears throat> eastern Montana and eastern Wyoming hardly have trees, all right? But um, then you would start seeing smoky bear ads and, and signs, and they would say, only you can prevent forest fires. And it became quite a, quite an, uh, a symbol for the Forest Service 
But in, in 1947, it became the only you can prevent forest fires. Just a few years later, in a forest fire in New Mexico, the Capitan Mountains of New Mexico, the Forest Service, after a fire had gone through, found a young bear cub that had climbed a tree to try to survive the fire. And he managed to stay alive, although he was very, very severely burned. The firefighters retrieved him and... and they named him Smokey. News spread about this bear that was spared, and he soon found a home at the National Zoo in Washington, D.C., and he became the living symbol of Smokey Bear. Eventually, it became Smokey the Bear, and he has played an important role in encouraging us to make sure your campfires are doused, to make sure that you don't throw your cigarette butts out the window, and uh, to make sure you don't let your kids play with fire and so on and so forth. How many of you have, um, have seen areas that have been in person that have been devastated by forest fires? Okay, a good many of you have. How many of you have seen a forest fire in actual being? Okay, a few of you have. They are, they are fear-inspiring. They are overpowering. They are so fast-moving. It is incredible. They create their own winds. Um, they are... They are a phenomenon of nature that, um, honestly, we can only stand in awe of them. And yet, um, many have given their lives in helping prevent them and so on. But when you see the damage that is done and how quickly it sweeps across an area... And the, the noise that is associated with that, the roaring and, and the snapping and the popping and the heat and it is just, it's just devastating. We had a, a, a favorite place that we like to camp and a forest fire just, and it leaves it never the same. It's incredible that new growth comes back and God in His design the heat of the fire creates the opening of seeds that begin to grow and so on and so forth. So it's this picture that James is saying. Here is the tongue. It's a little member and it can do great, great damage. And I think if we were able to put into a physical picture in Christianity of the forest fires that our tongues have started, we would be shocked at the damage that has been done. And many times, 
we fail to realize and be aware of the danger of the tongue. We must be aware of the danger and not be ignorant of the tongue's destructive power. I don't know where I got this. I don't know any of the history, but... um, Late last night, how many of you have heard this? Late last night when we were all in bed, any of you have heard that? Well, you're going to hear something you've never heard before then, all right? Late last night when we were all in bed, Mother Leary took her lantern to the shed, and when the cow kicked it over, she winked her eye and said, there's going to be a hot time in the old town tonight. Now, the story behind that is that in 1871, Mrs. O'Leary took her lantern to the shed, and it was presumably kicked over by her cow, and the fire, now known as the Chicago Fire, destroyed 17,500 buildings, 300 people died, 125,000 were left homeless, and it cost Chicago $400 million in 1871. Chicago, to this day, is identified by that fire. It is, it is marked in their history. They name sports teams, the Chicago Fire. They, it is ingrained in them. And presumably it began when a little lantern was kicked over and that little fire began that devastated the city of Chicago. We cannot put a figure or list all the damage that the fire of the tongue has done. At various times throughout teaching classes on the home or various things, at times I'll ask people, I want you to write down a statement that has been said to you that has brought you great hurt or damage. And people will write that down. I'll say, don't put your name down it. Just write down that statement. And and usually people don't have to sit there and think, hmm. Usually it's like they start writing right away. And... And as I look at those, some of them will read, 50 years ago, when I was 8 years old, my father or my mother or my brother or my sister said this, 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 and this. And they remember verbatim what was said to them. Why? Because it hurt. In, in marriage counseling, someone will say, you said, and they, they give verbatim quote, you said this, this, 
and they give it word for word. And they, and they may say, exactly, that's how you said it. And the other one will sit there and think, I don't remember saying that. Why does this one remember it? I mean, to the, to the exact word, because the damage that it brought to their heart, they remember the hurt, they remember the damage, and, and they've taken that and, and held that in their heart and life. And the words that many times people didn't even know that they said, in most cases, I would venture to say that the words that were said that brought damage to others didn't even realize, the one speaking, didn't even realize the hurt that was brought. Proverbs 18.21 says, Life and death are in the power of the tongue. In James 3 it says that it is a fire that sets on fire the course of nature. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. In understanding the power of our words, we must be aware of the danger. It is important for us to understand fire is a wonderful thing. It's heating this building and probably too much right now, all right? Fire is a wonderful thing when it's in the parameters that you you desired it to be in. I mean, it's a, it's a natural attraction. Campfires, we love campfires, and little boys especially love campfires, right? I mean, it, it just draws them, and we say, nah, leave that alone, stay away from that. And we want to teach them the danger. I mean, you get matches, and you light it, and, and the first time a little boy sees, Whoa, I want that. Can I have it? Can I have it? And you have to be very, very careful. No, you could burn the house down. They have no idea what burning the house down is. To them, it's probably, that sounds fun. So you have to be very, very vigilant and, you know, put the matches away so they don't get it. And, and, and we're very, very careful about the, the issue of fire. But the reality is, Our words and our tongue does damage that is eternal damage. A fire destroys something that's physical. But in understanding the reality of the danger of fire, it does damage. It's full of of death and does damage that we must be aware of. And secondly, we must avoid exposure to it. Proverbs 27 and verse 12 says, A wise man foresees the evil and hides himself. We must learn to recognize the dangers of the tongue, and then we must learn in our life to protect ourselves from the evil speaking of the tongue. Listen, evil speaking would be much less if there were no evil listening. Do you understand? If I'm coming with an evil report 
And I come to Kelly and I say, hey, Kelly, did you hear about such and such? And Kelly said, I'm not interested. Right there. He limited himself to the exposure of fire that could devour him and many others. I'm coming with fire, an evil report, speaking evil. It might, it might be, it might be complaining. The Bible says do all things without murmuring and complaining. Go through and read the history of Israel in the Bible and God does not take kindly their complaining. So, someone comes complaining, don't expose yourself to that fire. It can sweep through you and destroy yourself. Complaining shows a lack of contentment with ourselves, our situations, our relationships, in the world in general, and most importantly, it's against God. A critical spirit. We are often quick to tell What's wrong with something or someone? Even though we're not their master, and as we go on and look in the book of James, it will talk about that. But we're not their master, but we can, we can give them advice or be critical of them and a critical, criticizing spirit. We need to avoid exposure to that. Gossip. One who magnifies and sensationalizes rumor or partial information. Or slander, seeking on purpose to destroy another person's reputation with damaging facts, distortions, or creating evil suspicions. Or through being a busybody, one who digs up evil reports. Going around, it's kind of like a squirrel going around digging up nuts. Going around digging up evil reports. Making it their business to spread the evil reports. Evil reports are motivated by bitterness, pride, envy, and guilt. And when that fire comes to us, we need to learn to avoid exposure to it. So here's how to put out an evil report. Number one, ask, what is your reason for telling me this? I, I, we, we cannot emphasize enough the damage that has been done in Christianity through evil reports. Honestly, people that that have completely turned away from Christ to a Christless eternity because of evil reports. So when someone comes to you with something, to ask them, wait a minute, what is your purpose in telling me this? Now, be prepared. There'll be, there'll be some very pious reasons given. Well, I'm just really burdened for them and I want you to join me in praying for them. Think back to the last time that you ever stopped right then and there and prayed for them. If it's a prayer request, then pray. But, but first of all, to ask, 
what is your reason for telling me this? Number two asks, where did you get your information? Well, so-and-so told me that so-and-so told them, and they told me. Or I read it on the Internet, or Facebook, or Snapchat, or Instagram, or whatever else. Where did you get your information? Have you gone to those, there's the third question, have you gone to those directly involved? Have you gone, you're coming to me about this person here, have you gone to that person and expressed your concern about this matter or or invested in them? And then fourthly, to ask, can I quote you when I check this out? When I go to this person and check it out, can I quote you and say, Joe Blow here came to me and told me that you were this and that. You know what? If we followed and asked those four questions, we would prevent a lot of forest fires. We would prevent a lot of damage. This is just as convicting to me as it is to you. Why? Because we're all prone. The tongue is is an unruly evil. And it we must treat it as a, a fire. We need to build a ring around it and, and four stones of this ring that we need to ask, what is your reason for telling me this? Where did you get your information? Have you gone to them about this? And can I quote you if I check this out? When I go check this out, can I quote you? In most, no, 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 don't bring my name up in this. Then why are we even talking about it? There have been churches that have been blown asunder because the fire of iniquity has swept through it, started by a little member. I don't mean a short person in the congregation. I mean the tongue. There have been people that have totally rejected Christianity because they've seen the evil speaking among God's God's people. And we must recognize the danger that every word that I speak, I will give an account of and and not only speaking, but what am I listening to? Could I, could I stop this forest fire? They'll plow areas of the forest. They'll back burn. They'll burn a, a controlled burn to stop the fire from going any further. There's many ways that they do I've never seen it. I'd love to see it. Huge airplanes that come down and scoop up thousands of gallons of water in their flight and go over and dump it on the on the forest fire. If you ever see they're going to do that at Lake Raspin, let me know. I'd love to see it, all right? 
But the reality is, in Christianity, we're not doing a very good job of fighting the fire. And it begins, only you can prevent the forest fire. So we need to develop a fireproof mentality. The real problem is not just watching what we say. The real problem boils down to a lack of genuine love. Genuine love will make us fireproof. And it begins with loving God. When we speak evil, when we complain, it is out of discontentment with God. When we are critical, we are taking over God's responsibility. When we speak evil of someone, we are attacking God. James says that person that we're attacking is made in the image of God. And when we speak evil of them, we're speaking evil of God's work. We're attacking the very nature of God. And when we do all of these, or any one of these, we are disobeying God, and it shows our lack of love for God. The first and great command is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. If I love God, I'm not going to complain about the circumstances He's put me in. I love God. If I love God, I'm not going to complain about the people that he's put in my life and speak critically of them. That's God. God is the one that will deal in their lives. It it really boils down, I want to honor God with my tongue. I love God more than anything else. God forgave my sin. He canceled the power, He canceled the power of sin in my life. He forgave all my sin and He gave me undeservingly forgiveness and pardon and a home in heaven. And I love God. And so God, I want to honor you with my speech. It's not just No, change what you love today and your speech will change. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it boils down to this aspect of, first of all, loving God, and then it's an issue. The second and great command is to love others. Love does what is best for others. Love thinks no evil. 1 Corinthians 13, love bears all things, believes all things, it's patient, it's kind. So when I am speaking evil of someone else, I am showing that I do not love them. And that I am lacking greatly in my love for God. And it boils down to an issue of the heart, an issue of our love. It's, it's the relationship that we have 
in this, if my relationship with God is right, it will work in my relationship with others. And so, in understanding this, how it works out in our daily life. Let's, Kelly, could I have you come up here? And Andrew, you come up here. Let's, let's just say that, um, somehow, Kelly and Andrew had a difficulty, okay? So, Andrew's offended by it, and he goes and he talks to someone else. He goes to Kurt. And he fills Kurt's ear with a bunch of garbage about Kelly. So, Kelly, Andrew goes on his way back on his life, sits down there. Kelly goes goes down by Kurt, and Kurt kind of gives him a... Cold shoulder. Hi, Kurt. How you doing? So Kelly's thinking, what's wrong with Kurt? I didn't do anything to him. Kurt goes and talks to someone else. Dave. Kelly's back here working, doing what he does. Kurt goes to Dave and spreads this. You see how quickly the fire's spreading? So, we start taking up, there's so many things wrong here. We start taking up someone else's offense. Oh, you did that to my friend? Well, then I'm not. Okay, so Andrew gets convicted by God and he says, I am sorry. And he comes back and he seeks forgiveness from Kelly. I was wrong in this. Will you forgive me? (laughs) And everything is good, right? It is between them. But you know what? With these, it's not. And seldom, if ever, when we make things right, do we ever involve all the people. Because you know what? It's pretty hard to. Let's say that Andrew is burdened and he went to Kurt and he said, Kurt, I'm sorry. I spoke evil of a brother. I shouldn't have done that. Will you forgive me? And he said, yeah, no problem. But seldom does it keep going all the way. It's like a fire, a forest fire. Why? By nature, we love to hear evil reports. And by nature, we like to give evil reports. You put the two together. But let's back up here. If at the original problem... Andrew would have said, you know what, it seems like things aren't right here, but you know what, I love God and I don't want to cause a problem between another brother, and I love Kelly, and 
we're going to work this out. I am not going to involve anybody else because they are not part of the problem or the solution. This is between us. So, Andrew, let's back up again. Andrew's back in his sinful ways, and he goes to Kurt. And Kurt says, why are you telling me this? And he said, well, I thought you'd like to know. And Kurt says, where'd you get this information? And he says, well, it just happened to me. And Kurt says, have you gone back to Kelly and tried to make this right? See, it's putting the personal responsibility on Andrew. And then Kurt says, if you're not going to go back to Kelly, I'm going to take this information and talk to Kelly, and I can quote you, can I? No. And that's usually what will happen. No, 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 I'll take care of it. So he comes back. But you know what? Kurt's responsibility doesn't stop there. Kurt ought to then come. Yeah, we're going to get him off. There we go. Kurt's going to come a week later and he, he should say to Andrew, Andrew, I don't, I don't need to know any of the details, but did, did you go to Kelly and get that worked out? Do you understand that is biblical living? And, and Andrew says, no, I haven't. And Kurt ought to say, I'm going to check with you next week because we can't have this fire starting. And spreading. I know you're saying, Pastor, this isn't heaven, this is Iowa. But God intends us to live these principles out. And you know what? If worse comes to worse, Kurt ought to say, Come on, Andrew, we're going to go see Kelly. And, and then Kurt should say, I don't need to know any of the details. I'm out of here. You two solve it. And you say, yeah, right, none of that will work. It won't work if we don't do it. Thank you, guys. You can sit down. It's, it's the simple little things. But you know what? Our ears are often open. Oh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think he was all he was cracked up to be, you know. Listen, when you take someone on your team down a notch... You're taking your team down a notch. And it's affecting the cause of Christ. And this is exactly what James is talking about. And the love of God, a love for God that would stop Andrew and say, No, because I love God, I am going to to manifest love in this situation and do what is right. And because I love Kelly... And Kelly at the same time says, you know what, because I love Andrew, I am going to do what is right. But the love of God is spread abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And if I'm saying no to the Spirit of God in my life, I'm not going to have the love for God and the love for others that I ought to have, because it's the love of God is spread abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. And if you have never received Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, you don't have the Spirit of God in your life. 
And because of that, you're being asked today to do something that's impossible. It's impossible for a person without Christ to love God and to love others. And it's improbable that a Christian who has the Spirit of God dwelling in him, but is resisting the Spirit for him to love God and love others, to put a stop to these fires. I remember seeing pictures in the Forest Service, Smokey the Bear standing there with a bucket of water, dousing a campfire out, and then only you can prevent forest fires. Only you can prevent damage that Satan wants to bring to human beings. The same principle comes, applies to tattletales in the family. Why are you telling me this? They hit me. They took my toy away. These principles apply in every area of life, but especially in a church body. And you need to ask yourself, where am I lacking in my love for God and where am I lacking in my love for others? And it is manifested in our speech, in our evil speaking, our gossip, our whispering, our slandering. And you may say, what does pastor know? I know nothing. And, and some of you should have amened on that. I, do, I know nothing what's going on. This message is not motivated by that. It's motivated by James chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And I know human nature enough to know, and I know myself enough to know, that I've had way plenty of evil speaking in my heart that's brought shame to God's name, and it's because of my lack of love for God and my lack of love for others. And and we're not going to see a revival in our land until we as Christians get back to living like James says we should. And it comes through the obedience to the Spirit of God. So we ask ourselves, how is my tongue reflecting my love? Is it reflecting a love for God and others or a love for self? Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bring a revival of righteousness among we as believers. And I pray that as we make things right, that the love of you would be spread abroad in our hearts by your Spirit. And Lord, I pray that there would be a genuine love for you and love for others that would quench the fires that seek to spring up and destroy many. Lord, I pray if there's one here today that says, you know what, I don't have the Spirit of God within me. I, I have never trusted Christ. Lord, I pray today would be the day that they would be empowered by you to receive your love and then to manifest it to others. Lord, I pray that our marriages would show forth the love of you in our speech one for another.
Lord, I ask personally that your spirit would work in each of our lives, even now. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together with our heads bowed.